Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome into Attacking Third. I'm Jenny Chu here with Darian Jenkins, and we are so excited to give you the recap of the 2024 NWSL Draft. It's currently streaming right now, but we're here to give you guys everything that has happened. I mean, Darian, you were drafted in 2017. Was. What has stood out to you about this draft so far? I mean, what hasn't? When I was drafted, <laughs> it felt like we were in a basement. The Courage didn't have scarves yet because they were such a new team. Uh, me and Ashley Hatch were just taking photos in front of an NWSL emblem. Um, so seeing the growth of even just events like this is really amazing. And I love that players are now joining the draft and it's this huge spectacle and you feel actually celebrated to go and be a professional athlete which is something all of us dream about when we're little girls. Like, it's an insane accomplishment. So I love that they're being celebrated. And there's a red carpet now. I'm like, when did we have money for carpets? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I love it. And I'm and excited. And AFC has the, has the jackets already for oh, their I know. drafts. I mean. AFC, uh, we'll... I'm probably a medium, I think. Small. <laughs> Attacking third would love some of those as well. Um, but along with those differences, I mean, the show has been great thus far uh, with our Attacking Third girlies on the set and the drafts that have gone so far. Some of them, what we expected, and others, not so much. But you saw the couple... Of First couple drafts. Yeah. Tar Heels. I had to say it. You know I was going to say it in the beginning. No, no, no. UNC, I mean, you guys are always up there. You, UNC, UCLA, Stanford, now there's so many teams at Clemson that have a lot of a lot of players going in at high numbers. So it's exciting. I love the growth of the game. Um, the collegiate programs, it's so competitive. So it's good to see a little bit more diversity. But yeah, UNC, you guys are always up there. Thank you. I, that's the last time I'll say it, by the way. Um, so now that we talked through round one, these are picks one through seven. And like we mentioned, Utah Royals had pick one and four. Bay FC with the second pick. Uh, Washington Spirit, three of those picks right there. Um, out of the whole first round, Darian, what stood out to you in terms of the team that has probably done the best with their picks thus far? I actually think Washington Spirit. Uh you know, they made a lot of trades to get these picks, and you can see, you know, even them making the move um, with Ashley Sanchez and how they needed to kind of fill these gaps. And, you know, Coach Geraldes coming into the league, I think it's it shows a lot what they're planning to do and getting a lot of technical players, some depth in different positions. Um, goes to show what kind of style I think they're going to play, which is very Barca-esque. So I'm excited for them, and I think that they're they're making moves to line that up. 
You know, we were interested or, or kind of surprised by those moves coming into the Sam Staub being one of those. Yeah. Their iron player that had played the most minutes out of any player in the NWSL all season long. To see her on the way out, mm -hmm. um, we'll talk more about these trades a little bit later in the show. But also to lose Ashley Sanchez. Both of those things were big moves from Washington Spirit, like you mentioned there. And for them to immediately get these college draft players, what does that mean about Giraldez's mentality? You know, getting these players that don't have NWSL experience um, in trade for some that have already proved themselves in the league. Well, I think what's great about Spirit is they already have a lot of veterans on their team, and they just acquired Casey Kruger, which is a huge move. So I think going to the draft and making these big changes, we knew that there was going to be on-brand NWSL chaos with drafts going on, or sorry, trades going on during the draft right before it. Um, so I think it's fitting. I think they're good balancing out their squad to, you know, develop younger players, have these veterans that help take them in stride and be leaders and set the standard with Geraldes coming in obviously late. So I think it's a really good move by them. I'm excited to see how the season pans out. You did say something earlier that I kind of caught my eye was that he's definitely going to bring in some more players from overseas, what you see happening. I believe it. I, I, how could you not? I mean, he's had such success overseas, um, and I think, you know, with players like Meitani, Esther coming over, I think it's a really good move and very attractive for players to come to the NWSL knowing that we now have NWSL is investing in good coaches and, you know, paying them up so that we can develop these teams and develop the league more. So it's really attractive for European players to come over. And I think success with Barca, maybe uh, some big names coming over. Who knows? Yeah, I know that you were incredibly excited about a few of these college players coming into it, and you were so ready to see where they were going to end up. What player do you think has kind of, if you can pick out any, um, gone where you expect them to fit in immediately? Oh, Raylan Turner. That one's easy for me. Uh, you know, CBS put out an article talking about that she would be going to, that was the mock draft going to Louisville, and we interviewed Bev Yanez, which was what, probably one of my favorite interviews we've done yeah. on Attacking Third. And I think she's going to fit that style so well because Bev spoke so much about the entire player on and off the field, how they're going to fit into the locker room, how she wants to develop them into a system where she can, you know, really teach players to make game decisions because nothing's the same in a game as it is in training but training those decision making skills and I think Raylan Turner already has the ability to be a national team player and then going with Bev and that technical tactical mind we heard her speak so much about is only going to elevate her game. All right one last question before we have an interview coming into this if it weren't Bev Yanez as the head coach of Racing Louisville would you be as excited for her to go there? Not really. <laughs> that, that tells you something, a though. A, a coach has so much weight into a program. You know, right. you can have poor facilities or whatever. Not that Louisville does, but kind of everything else has been going wrong. But if you have a good coach that you're showing up for every day, you can overcome a lot as a team. But to have great facilities and be treated like a pro athlete and have an amazing coach that's a decorated former player – couldn't be better. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, and like everyone said, they're willing to run through a brick wall for Beviana, yes. us included, <laughs> after our interview with her. Well, don't miss out on the final picks of the 2024 NWSL Draft, streaming live right now on ION+. Plus. To find all the places where you can watch for free, including Pluto TV, go to ionplustv.com. And it is now time to welcome in the third draft pick of the 2024 NWSL Draft, Croy Bethune. Croy, we are so excited to have you here. You're an absolute star. We always knew you were going to go incredibly high. But what has this all meant to you, that it's finally happened and you've worked towards it your whole life? Thank you so much. Um, it's amazing. I'm just so grateful and honored to even be allowed to be put in this situation. Um, I thank Washington Spirit for selecting me, and I can't wait to join D.C. and crush it at Spirit. 
Oh, yeah, you're going to crush it. We already been gassing you up. We're so excited for this move. Now, you have, you know, I feel already made a really good transition in your career, going from USC with legendary Amy Rodriguez to Georgia, where you've had a really decorated senior year. Then to the draft, I think that that's kind of helped you in a way that's going to really make your transition to your pro career easy. Do you think that that's going to give you a little bit of an extra edge with, you know, this big move going into a pro environment? Yes, ma'am, I definitely do agree. Um, starting off at USC and then taking my last year at Georgia, it just shows that being in a new environment, um, I feel like I can do well. So taking that to Washington will be great for me. We hear you're really excited about going to Washington, but I think one of the bigger questions is the fact that you decided to stay stateside, right? We always knew you were going to go professional. That was always in the cards for you. Um, but the fact that you're staying stateside while some players have decided to opt out of the draft and go other places, um, what was that decision like for you? Um, it was a tough decision at first, but I felt like staying in the States and being a part of the NWSL and upbuilding what they have started will just be amazing. I wanted to be a part of this and help continue to grow. Croy, uh, what what is it that you're so excited going to the Spirit? You know, you have a lot of players that have had such success in the NWSL and then an amazing new coach coming in who has basically won everything overseas. What are you most looking forward to joining this team? Great staff, um, new coach. We have a lot of great players at Washington, whether they're on the national team or not. And I feel like with this draft, we brought in great players like Hal, McKenna and Kate. Um, I played with them since I was younger, so I feel like the chemistry is there, and I feel like we have a great, great blend. All right, last we see that you're in the parking lot, and on your way out, we want to let you go celebrate this big night for you. But I just want to see <laughs> where you see yourself fitting in at Washington Spirit, and what you bring to the table in your eyes, because we've seen you play. I think I'm cheeky. I think I'm savvy. Could bring some flair. Um, help, hopefully, help get girls involved as well as myself, and just bring the energy and talent to Washington. Okay, I, we lied. I got one more question for you because I see you dressed up at this draft. I see the hair. You're stylish. I checked out your Instagram. I'm here for it. Are we going to see some really cool fits coming into game days on the red carpet? Because, you know, that's a part of the NWSL now. So are you going to show out? Thank you. Of course. If you look good, you play good. So. <laughs> Darian definitely agrees with you because she's the best dressed on our show every time. But, Croy, thank you so much and congratulations. Go celebrate. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. You too. Um, Darian, I knew you were going to get that in there. I, I had to. She I has been to. talking about the fashion <laughs> all day long. She's like, but you guys, can I ask about the fashion? <laughs> Which, very deservingly so. Looking at her Instagram, yeah, absolutely. Um, just like you are. Because you, I, Thank I, you. I, guys, by the way, I always ask Darian, can I please storm your closet? Can I borrow <laughs> something? Um, but there's so much more to talk about on this draft that's currently still happening. So stay with us here on Attacking Third. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial and continue to fill you in on everything that's happened. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into Attacking Third. Darian Jenkins and Jenny Chu here with you. And now we bring in the star of the show, the OG Attacking Third member, Sandra Herrera. Joining us now, how you doing? I know you're excited about this night. 
I'm hyped. I think we all get up for for draft night. These are these are the nights where dreams are supposedly made of, right? So here we are mm -hmm. alongside for the ride. Sandra, so much has been happening so far. So even before the draft, I texted you saying, hey, I know a lot's going to happen. Let me know. And she, you were like, oh, yeah, things are <laughs> happening while the trades were going Ugh. on. And then obviously the draft itself going on right now. What has stood out to you um, as like the takeaway from tonight? Just how deep, honestly, this draft class is. I got to keep it real and say there maybe wasn't as much buzz around this particular draft class heading into this 2024 draft and maybe for good reason maybe because clubs weren't trying to share too much they wanted to keep those draft boards close to the chest I mean especially Utah Royals with all the picks that they have but I think there have been some sneaky good picks for some teams in this draft outside of even just the first maybe top five where people really maybe keep their eyes focused on but I think there's a, a lot to, to, to sort of break down and even just these first two rounds of the draft. Well, Sandra, the number one draft pick goes to Ali Sentinor out of UNC. And I spoke to Damon Nahas, the assistant coach of UNC, while the draft was going on. And I said, what does she bring to the table? What makes her worthy of being number one? And will she plug in immediately into Utah? And he said, she's relentless. you got to get her close to the goal. She can play the 10. She can play the 9. Um, she just has unapologetic ambition, and she has such great character. Do you see her fitting in right away at Utah? Absolutely. I think, look, this is an expansion side that is trying to build and compete moving forward. I think there was a lot of curiosity around what Utah was going to do with this number one pick. And everything that I heard leading up to the draft was how they were going to operate with such picks close together at number one and number four. How are things going to look? I think there were a lot of people waiting with bated breath for that final deadline for players to declare and make themselves eligible for this draft. And once those UNC players made themselves eligible, I think it really shook up some draft boards. So maybe after that passing, maybe it's not too shocking to see that a player like Sentner and even Savi King go number one and number two respectively. But Sentner is going to be someone who can slot in to this pitch if Amy Rodriguez wants to have her as a starting caliber player. I mean, she is someone who could cover a lot of ground, even if she does play higher up the field. And she's actually a really good finisher in front of goal, along with being a bit of a connective player. So I think it's a solid pickup for them. Now, Sandra, another Tar Heel that are going <laughs> display, I'm so hyped, that are going really high in the draft. Number two, Savvy King. Nominee for U.S. Youth National Team Defender, of, of Player of the Year, only freshman for UNC to start all 23 matches. She's decorated. She's incredibly talented, incredibly fast. I think she plays beyond her years. Do you see her fitting in next to Emily Menges in the back line uh, right off the bat, or do you think it's going to take some time for her to gel into pro life? You know, I think we're high on some of these young prospects, and for good reason. I, I think Savvy King is coming off of what is essentially a breakout freshman year. And I think sometimes there are those apprehensions around a young player and saying, hey, we got to take time with the youngins. We got to get them acclimated. We got to get them built up into things. But I don't know if there's going to be a better example of getting a player acclimated alongside a long-term veteran and an Emily Menges. I mean, King's freshman season at UNC almost looked like an audition to go pro. And now she is with the Bay Area expansion side.
I mean, how incredible for a freshman to be after their year and say, you know what, I'm done at college. I know that I'm ready for the professional system. I mean, I know that that's impressive at oh, yeah, any it's bold. time, even yeah. when you're a senior, being able to say, yeah, I know I'm going pro now. Mm -hmm. But for her to be post-freshman year and say, yep, I'm leaving UNC and I'm going pro, I love to see that confidence from her. And I've said it on Attacking Third before, I definitely expect her to be on the U.S. national team, the full team, very soon, or at least in consideration for Emma Hayes' side. But I want to talk about Croy Bethune. Uh, I know she was on a lot of people's list for potential number one. She obviously went as number three for the Washington Spirit, someone who lost Ashley Sanchez to those trades right before the draft. What's your take on this one, Sandra? I think they targeted an immediate need in that same trade that they made with Ashley Sanchez and North Carolina Courage. I think Croy Berthun was someone who I had pretty high on, on a couple of my different mock drafts. And in the days leading up to this draft, had heard that there were maybe some concerns around some of her ACL history, but I think on the other side of that coin, this is a player that has shown that she has not lost a step in any of her return to plays. I think she was arguably the most creative player available in the draft, and that's probably why the Spirit ended up trading up to get her, knowing that maybe they had those extra moves to make in trading away a Sam Stop or trading away an Ashley Sanchez. It's going to be very fun to see how Croy go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and fits in with Ashley Hatch and Trinity Rodman. She's excellent on the ball. I think there's going to be even more surprises in that attack for the spirit to come. I completely agree, and I love her confidence. It emanates from her, but she's also humble, and she's going to have a really great career at the spirit. And I think under Heralda, she's going to thrive. Now let's jump to a brune. Raylan Turner going to Louisville. You were there for our interview with Bev Yanez, and I think that Raylan Turner is exactly the type of player that she spoke about that she wants to draft on and off the field. I think it's a great fit. Do you see her kind of filling the shoes of all the players that left, you know, Jess McDonald's, Paige Monahan, Wong Shuang, Tembi Katlana. Um, do you think she's going to be able to come in and really make an impact on that front attacking line? I do. And I first got to really shout out Bev Yanez because if there is one pick that I got correct through my mock draft, <laughs> it was this one at number six with Racing and Raylan Turner. I think, look, Darren, I think you said it best when we were chatting a bit about it on the draft preview for a three that this pick was an opportunity for Racing Louisville and Bev Yanez. And I think she is going to check all those boxes that you just mentioned. And I think more than perhaps filling shoes or replacing players who have gone, I think she's going to establish herself as a first. This is a racing Louisville FC side that has been in NWSL since 2021, and they're still a franchise that are trying to get their footing in the league. Consecutive ninth place finishes on the standings. They are coming off of some strong draft classes of their own, picking up important players like Jalen Howell and Savannah DeMello, and I think they've got themselves another one here in Raylan Turner. Not only is she going to have an opportunity to make a difference for the club in the attack, but head coach Bev Yunus has a chance to really develop a star attacker for the club for the first time in its short history. Well, Sandra, I'm just going to keep peppering you with questions about all these different players. Um, Albertine Montoya came on our show on Attacking Third and told us that he wanted some Bay Area players. He wanted those people that had, you know, some connection to the area, and he picked one in Maya Doms. What else does she bring to the table? 
I think more important than um, her her ability on the pitch is is what she provides off of it as well. I think at this point in her career, uh, closing out five years with Stanford, she's shown that she's a proven winner at the collegiate level and that she's also a strong leader. So a personality with leadership skills that is going to be necessary for an expansion franchise that is taking its first steps on the pitch. So I think she's absolutely going to play a role for them in that middle third for an expansion side that really needed to build out its midfielder. I like this pick at number eight. I think there was a lot, again, a lot of back and forth, even with uh, Utah Royals. I've seen how they were going to navigate some of their early picks, but also for, for Bay FC as well. Like Which route were they going to go? How were they going to target this draft? And a little bit of a, sim- a different boat, unlike Utah, not having as many players on that roster, about 11 at the moment compared to the 16 that Utah had already acquired heading into this draft. And I think picking up kind of a local kid, a standout within the Bay Area is going to bode well for them in terms of a fan favorite sense. Now, Sandra, let's jump back to the spirit. Obviously, they made some huge moves. As we knew, NWSL chaos, something was going to happen. Ashley Sanchez and Sam Staub making moves away from the spirit. With Geraldes coming in, do you think that the moves that they've made in this draft so far have kind of lined up with the players that they've traded away? Yes and no. I think there's a bit of a jury still out kind of on these decisions. I think it's very curious for us to speak about an NWSL draft in the same breath as speaking about an incoming head coach in Giraldez from Spain, where the concept of a draft is very foreign to Europeans. I think if you ask anyone on the global soccer soccer scale about the draft, it's kind of a head scratcher for them and they're like okay I guess that's a thing that exists for American soccer and when you think of things that may perhaps are defining of American soccer culture it is a draft so I am very curious about how some of these moves are going to play out in the long term for Hidalguez and, and the spirit I think if you look on the other side of things in terms of where these players have landed Chicago Red Stars picking up a bona fide defender in Sam Staub an absolute necessity that they need moving forward after losing out on so many of their free agents to other teams who are also on that defensive back line. And Ashley Sanchez, I think, is going to be an incredible fit for head coach Sean Nahas and that North Carolina Courage side in terms of their style of play and how they operate. It's going to be a big boost for them in light of a season that they're going to have to operate with out their prolific winger in Caroline, they're not going to maybe lose that attacking step or that creativity on the ball with somebody like Inashi Sanchez. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. While this draft is happening, um, you're amazing. We're going to see you a little bit later in the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right, don't miss out on the final picks of the 2024 NWSL Draft streaming live right now on ION+. Plus. To find all the places where you can watch for free, including Pluto TV, go to ionplustv.com. We're going to be back with more here on Attacking Third, so stay with us here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Darian, there has been so much to talk about from the expansion draft into free agency and now into the college draft, but don't forget draft night trades. Okay, so so much happened before the college draft started here. Um, Washington receives the third overall pick, while Chicago Red Stars receive Sam Staub, someone that we did not expect to leave Washington, considering she played so many minutes for them and was a huge part of their spine. And then they also lost Ashley Sanchez to North Carolina Courage, while Washington receives the fifth overall pick and $250,000. Um, that was an interesting one as well. I know we touched on it a bit, but they immediately reinforced that with um, Corey Bethune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's going to come fit into that position really well. And, you know, we spoke to her earlier, and she has the confidence of a veteran. She is ready for the challenge to step up. And I think under Geraldes, with, you know, his knowledge and his technical, tactical game that he's going to bring to the NWSL and these players that are going to really develop under him, I think it's a great fit for her and for Washington Spirit. Obviously, these moves were shocking, especially Sam Stab, Iron Woman in the NWSL for exactly. the Spirit for a few years, and they trade her. So they've got some really big shoes to fill and make up for in that back line, especially being a left-footed center back and has a wicked long throw-in. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> that Maybe is, we can that pull is something up. to stand out. But yes. it's, it's a really big weapon when you're in games, and especially late in a game, it's like another corner kick. So I think that they're going to need some players to really fill those shoes and excel in these positions. But yeah, it's on-brand NWSL chaos. Well, we're talking about Sam Stop going to Chicago Red Stars, so mm-hmm. why don't we talk a little bit about Chicago Red Stars? Because going into this, we were thinking um, Alyssa Nair, potentially um, Mal Swanson. Yeah. We hadn't really finalized whether that was going to happen, but with the um, entrance of Lauren Donaldson, mm-hmm. her youth coach, you expect her to stay um, for him and to maybe create something there together. Beyond that, we were thinking, what are the big names that are going to join this team, and and how do they rebuild after having such a difficult time the last couple of years? Yeah, it's been a really rough few years, especially this 2023 season. So, you know, Lauren Donaldson coming in, I think, is incredibly positive. Uh, He had such a great time with Jamaica and really led that team with the little resources that they had to a lot of success. So now going to an environment with a new ownership that's really investing in the team. He has Mouse Watson that, you know, can really attract a lot of big players. We're hoping that she ends up staying there because I think she's the face of this team. She did so well while she was playing and healthy, and we hope to see her back really soon. Um, But I think it's going to be a really good fit for any players going to Chicago. They're needing to make some moves. You know, they did re-sign Carrie Ricardo. They have Alyssa Nair. You're right. But they got rid of a lot of people. So they're going to have to make some moves. And Lauren Donaldson, I think, is a coach that can really develop younger players. And it's a really good fit. I'm excited to see what else they do. Well, there's a couple things that you've been wanting to talk about. And Casey Kruger's move is something that really stood out to you, Darian. Why is that? Yeah, she, well, one, because I've always hated playing against her because she's so good and such a good 1v1 defender and great in the attack. Um, So I think her moving to the spirit is good for her and her career and where she is right now. Coming back into the national team, I think she's going to be able to be in the attack a lot more on this Washington spirit squad, which we didn't get to see too much with Chicago because, again, they did have a rough season. Um... But it's a really good move. She's such a veteran. She's going to come in and set the standard for this really young spirit side. You know, her, Ashley Hatch, players that have been in this league for a really long time and had a lot of success. And she's going to be a leader for these younger players. And I think with Geraldes coming in late, 
uh, it'll be good to establish some sort of leadership and tone for how the season is going to go right from the start. And you need players like Casey Kruger to do that. Yeah, that also leads me back to the Chicago Red Stars, the fact that they've lost Casey Kruger, but they also lost Tierna Davidson to mm -hmm. free agency. Then that takes me back to Gotham in my head. <laughs> and then when I think about that, I think about Rose Lavelle leaving Seattle Reign, newly named Seattle yes. Reign, back to back the Back to the OG. <laughs> um, and how they're going to fill in the loss of someone like Rose Lavelle. I mean, they also lost Emily Sonnet. Mm -hmm. um, and we saw that they traded up to get um, Samantha Meza from UNC. And that was a big move for them because they definitely have to find someone that has similar qualities to a 10 and, yeah. and can you know, have the defensive aspect while still being that threat on the attack. Mm -hmm. um, what else do you think um, Laura Harvey is going to need because she's someone you're very familiar with? Yeah, no, I think Laura Harvey knows what she's doing. She's a very smart coach. so. Knowing that she's losing Rose Lavelle and Emily Sonnet and Pino's retiring, there is a lot of space to fill. But also, it's such a a good league that I think these players are going to come in really hungry and fill these gaps and excel in these positions. So, you know, it's always been really competitive, but with these expansions, it leaves a lot of growth for younger players that maybe would have not gotten the opportunity. And I think she's such a developmental coach. She was in the youth women's national team for a really long time and with the full team for a stint. So I think she's going to develop these players. They're going to excel. They're still going to be Seattle Reign. Back to the OGs, the, one of the best teams in the league, like we've always had them be. Um, and I think she's going to thrive. It's going to be good to see the moves that she makes. And after this preseason, it's going to be a really competitive year. I have no doubts. Absolutely. And I know, I know you have some history there, so you feel mm -hmm. strongly about all of that. But also, Emily Fox, another Tar Heel. Wow, we're talking a lot about Tar Heels <laughs> today. Um, heading to Arsenal, that was an announcement that we kind of – peeked into when she was in the back of a photo in Arsenal <laughs> and then people were saying rumors and such. World's worst um, kept secret. But exactly. <laughs> but to see her go from North Carolina Courage at leaving Shanae Hassad and making that move overseas, and I know that there has been nothing but positivity spoken about. She was on Morning Footy. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I see it playing out great for her. Well, one, I think her move to North Carolina Courage under Coach Sean Nehas was a really good move because I think she excelled under that system of this kind of Spanish-style soccer. And then she had a great year at the World Cup. I, she was one of my favorite players, I think, player of the tournament for me for U the U.S. because she was so consistent and you know, no one really got by her. No one. She was the one that showed out on that right side. Um, so going to Arsenal, I think, is such a good move for these U.S. players to go overseas because you get to play against all of the best teams in the world. You get to play in Champions League. You're training against the best players in the world that you only get to really see in major tournaments like the World Cup, Friendlies, Olympics. Um, so I'm happy for her. I think she's going to grow her game even more. And actually, Ali Krieger and I were talking about the advantages of going overseas and how different it is from playing in the NWSL where you're high-pressed 99% of the time. Overseas, you look up and someone's kind of waiting for you to make a move. And it's really intimidating because you're used to having the direct instinct of what you're going to do based off of that person making a jump. So I think this is really going to develop her game. Uh, and she's playing with some of the best of the best in the world, so it's a, it's a good move for her. There's some interesting points that, that really just came into my mind is that I saw Emily Fox, I mean, this was years ago, I think they were preparing for the Olympics. She started one of her first games with the U.S. Women's National Team, and they were playing against France in a friendly, and she got eaten up. They mm -hmm. scored three goals on that side. I remember what you were talking about. <laughs> exactly, and then to see her grow, she got left off the roster, and I think mo mostly because of that 
um, performance right there, to see her growth and to see how much she has continued to show that that's not her and that she has the strength and the speed to keep up with the best players in the world. Now making this move over to the WPS, something that Emma Hayes had mentioned in one of her articles about the U.S. players, that they need to go overseas, that they need to see this experience and play at other levels. She now heads to Arsenal, something that Emma Hayes is, has been very open about that yeah. the U.S. players do not need to stay in the NWSL. They do need to explore. They do need to, you know, have a little bit more experience. Um, do you think that Emma Hayes had anything to do with this decision? I don't know if it was directly Emma Hayes. Maybe that helped push it over the line because I do think you're seeing players like Mia Fischel, Corbin Albert, um, Lindsey Cran, who's been overseas numerous times, but that are going to inspire the younger generations that it's a safe move. It's a really good move to go overseas and challenge yourself and grow up a little bit and a lot quicker than you do in the NWSL. And it's going to add another layer, another dimension to your game that we don't get here, especially going through the collegiate system where it's, I mean, you played at UNC. It's a lot of run, run, run. It's highly competitive. You don't have time on the ball to then you really have to be much more tactically sound and take a step back and read the game a lot more. So I think it's really good. It's going to develop. We've talked about the youth system in the U.S. a lot. I think it's going to inspire a lot of growth a lot quicker. So I think it's a good move. She's setting an example. Yeah, I'm really excited to continue watching her and watching what she does in Arsenal. I think her first game is this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so that's an incredibly quick turnaround. The worst kept secret, like you mentioned. And we had the detectives on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> on that one. But we have so much more here on Attacking Third. So stay with Darren and I here. Welcome back into Attacking Third. Don't miss out on the final picks of the 2024 NWSL Draft streaming live right now on ION Plus. To find all the places where you can watch for free, including Pluto TV, go to ionplustv.com. Darian Jenkins, Jenny Chu here with you again, and we're happy to welcome back in OG Attacking Third member Sandra Herrera. Sandra, I know you've missed us for the last six minutes. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm starting to feel the effects. I'm I'm draining right now. I'm trailing <laughs> off. Uh oh, we're getting into that sweet spot where it's like, oh no, the oh. draft is a long event. We all forgot after being so high in the first and second rounds, and now we're like, uh oh. Is getting, your phone just going long. crazy right now, Sandra? Yes and no, because it's a mix. It's a mix of like, wow, what a draft. And oh my goodness, we still have so much more to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while there is still so much more to go thus far, what team stands out to you as having done the best thus far? You know, it's. I know I said earlier that uh, maybe the the jury's still out on on Washington Spirit, but it's it's hard to not take a look and ask a lot of questions around what the moves are ultimately going to mean, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think that's because of the players that they ultimately selected. And I think alongside them, we have to give a high grade to to Utah Royals. I mean. I mean, they came into this draft with the most picks, and I think they have utilized them in the best way possible, whether that's been taking a look at the draft board, depending where those picks have fallen, and ultimately utilizing them to select the best players available and for their vision moving forward, or maybe taking a look and listening to, um, you know, moves for, for, for some of those picks. So I, I would say high grade for, for Royals for sure as well. Sandra, I actually wanted to ask you about the Royals as well, because I think Amy Rodriguez and her staff have been really strategic in getting quite a few BYU players. And I'm thinking, OK, they're going, they're staying home. They get to go play with Michaela Clough, obviously a decorated 
BYU veteran and, you know, NWSL star now. Do you think that they're trying to gain some familiarity with these players and, you know, ease that transition a little bit more? Absolutely. I think that's that that's part of it. That comes with, you know, being an expansion franchise as you're looking to build. What are maybe some of the ways that you can start to culture build with your expansion team? And I think they're doing that in selecting local players through this draft and even through some of the moves that they have made in the buildup to this moment, going out and retaining players who have had some NWSL experience at this point in their careers and sort of bringing them home, whether that's a Michaela Clough or a Michelle Vasconcelos. And I think in this draft tonight, getting a Brecken Mazingo and bringing her on board after having such a a really career-defining season with BYU to close things out was a Mac Herman finalist in in, in 2023. Uh, I think absolutely bodes well for for the future of this team. I know that there was a lot of curiosity around how first-year head coach Amy Rodriguez was going to navigate things, but I think now that we sort of see this in in front of us with a couple of more picks for them to go still in these later rounds, we're really starting to see how they were really kind of targeting – and building out the remainder of their roster through this draft. I think going into it, they had several players already that they had acquired, 16 going into this draft. So how are they going to target maybe what's the, the the later part of that roster? How are they going to target uh, players who are ultimately going to be uh, eight, 18 through through 26, you know, in terms of, of a full roster? And how are they going to target that in terms of ones who, who might likely see time on the pitch in their inaugural season versus maybe some that they want to continue to develop and build with them. That is something Amy Rodriguez has also been very vocal on. That was part of her pitch during this offseason that she wanted to go to players and say, you want to come to the Utah Royals because it is going to be a place where you are going to play competitive soccer, but you are also going to continue to develop and get better. I love that. You're talking about Utah Royals and Amy Rodriguez. Why don't we go ahead and keep it with expansion sides? How has Bay FC and Albertine Montoya done? Because they definitely needed some bodies going into this a little bit more so than Utah did. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've got, they still got some more uh, picks to make in in front of them. But you know, as, as far as just taking a look, you know, at that first round, I, I gotta say, I think they went ahead and tried to target that about as smartly as they could. I think, unlike Utah Royals, having eleven players on their roster meant that the, maybe they had a little bit more work in front of them in this draft. But I like the pick at number two with Savvy King out of North. Carolina. I think you had your pick of maybe the top two players out of UNC. And at number two, with with center going number one, they opted to roll the dice with King. And I think that's a little bit of reflective of, of what we've heard from head coach Albertin Montoya. I mean, I remember when he came on uh, the show to chat about things post-expansion uh, draft, he talked a little bit about targeting uh, defenders even in that expansion draft and, and taking a look through free agency because he is not someone who will maybe think defensive line to me so he wants to go out and target players that he knows are going to be reliable 
relied upon and dependable and ones that he can trust on that back line moving forward because he wants to be able to play an exciting attacking brand of football. So in getting a player uh, like King, I think helps solidify that. Even getting uh, a player in, 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 my, in, in Maya Doms at number eight, I think is really, really good for them as well. While she is no stranger to scoring her own goals, I like the leadership that she brings to, to the pitch. The fact that she can kind of hold the midfield together can probably bode very well for this team as they kind of develop a spine moving forward. Yeah, I love that, Sandra. I completely agree. I love that uh, Albertin Montoya and his staff are going for players that have showed a lot of confidence and they're captains. They're really big leaders on their team and they have a really big presence because I think, you know, with the lack of players they had coming into this draft, they need really big personalities to come in and kind of help shape the culture and identity of this team. Now, let's go to some teams maybe that aren't faring so well in this draft. Are there any ones that you're expecting that should be doing a little bit better or should have made a little bit more strategic moves? I mean, it can still happen. It is NWSL, but I wanted to hear your thoughts as of the draft up to now. Yeah, for sure. I, I Look, I, I think after last year's draft, I think that maybe there was going to be some curiosity around Angel City and how they were going to navigate this draft. I think now is the time for them to maybe flex their muscles a little bit in in this draft as they've only had some some later round picks and we'll see who they ultimately end up selecting there how is uh you know the franchise going to continue to try to build off of what they did last season with becky tweed getting this team to its first ever playoff appearance so while i wouldn't look at that team at all at this moment to say that they are kind of failing the draft it's just what comes next right we're doing this live reaction and we still have to see what those moves are but i'm a little surprised with some of the moves that they did make last year to make sure that they were in that first round to not maybe see some of that similar energy in this draft I thought maybe they would have tried to have, uh, maneuver some things to get a little higher because we've talked about how this is a pretty deeply uh, deep draft class going into 2024 we already saw a lot of talent that maybe were on some draft boards in round one fall to round two and we saw teams making moves and making trades to jump up Seattle rain uh negotiating with Chicago Red Stars for that really high second round uh, draft pick to go ahead and select Sam Mesa out of UNC. Uh, so we're looking at teams who try to make those moves to get a little bit higher to nab some of this really deep draft class. And uh, disappointing maybe a little bit to not see Angel City in the mix after they did make such a splash last year. But that's not to say that they won't have value in their picks in the later rounds. Oh, great stuff, Sandra. You've been a busy woman. I mean, you've been writing articles. You've been on every show possible. I keep seeing your face everywhere. Um, so get some rest right now. We're going to try to finish the show out without continuing to bother you. Appreciate y'all. Let's go. All right. Thanks, Sandra. We have so much more coming here on Attacking Dirt. So stay with Darren and I here. Welcome back into Attacking Third. There is so many teams that we haven't gotten to touch on yet because mm -hmm. so much has happened in the draft and in the trades prior to the draft. So we're going to try to get to them here. Uh, one of those teams, reigning champions, uh, Gotham FC. Darian, we haven't really talked about them. And I think that the biggest thing is they made all of those free agency moves yeah. with those big names coming in. And they didn't really need anything coming into this draft. <laughs> but they did get a little bit of depth. Um, yeah. If I remember correctly, it's Macy Bell from UNC. Did yeah. go. Um, another Tar Heel. Another Tar Heel. That's why I remembered it from the top of my head. Um, but beyond that, I think that, you know, my question is the players that won the championship, um, 
they went, they took the team from last to first. Yeah. And zero to hero. Exactly. Zero to hero. And then they added all of these free agency players where now the players can see how much money these free agency players are making. And it's typically more so than the players that were already on the roster. My understanding is that that can cause some problems within the team because if I was on the team and I just took you from zero to hero and then you said, yeah, but I have some new shiny toys, maybe I would feel some type of way about that. Do you see that being a possibility on Gotham? Yeah, I mean, I think what's great about the NWSL is the players all fight for each other. So it's been very transparent about salaries, about um, rights about what you include in your contracts. Like, it's always been very transparent because we're all fighting for the same thing. We want this league to be better. We want the players to get paid. So the fact that players are getting paid, I don't think that that's it. It is brutal that, you know, you win a championship and there's all these trades that happen from the championship team. It can suck, but that's kind of the nature of the game and it's going to make other teams step up. I love that Gotham did this because it shows that when you put a team in an attractive market, you get a good coach, you build a great culture around the team. People want to come here. These massive players want to come play for this team. So I think it's great. Yeah, some, some of it can be rough, but, you know, it's the nature of being a pro athlete. And hopefully it inspires and can show, you know, this is what you can negotiate for. This is what you can fight for. Um, this is what's attainable. And if you didn't know it before, now you do. You can throw that into your yep. contracts. And it should be extra motivation to show out this year and moving forward. Awesome. Um, just a quick note from our producer. Apparently, Macy Bell has never been to New York, and she is now joining Gotham. So this is going to be quite the experience for her because I, too, was new to New York. And let me tell you, it took me by surprise, and I struggle. You've adapted well. And also, I love this for Macy Bell because I think with Gotham bringing in all of these big stars that are, you know, all competing to be in the Olympics and have a lot of international experience and players that are going to miss a lot of time during the season – you need to bring in players that are going to be able to fill those gaps. And I think adding some depth into Gotham's back line, you know, especially with Ali Krieger retiring, Maitani's not a natural, natural center back. She's a six. So I think allowing Macy to come in and fill that position and, you know, really develop alongside, you know, a Tierna Davidson, who is calm, cool, collected veteran in this league at this point, um, is going to be really big for them, you know, when these international players are leaving and coming back and kind of in and out. I think she's going to be able to really show out and develop her professional game. Yeah, I would love to join a team with all of these players that have so much experience on the national team as well and internationally mm -hmm. and have see, have been known to be great characters on teams and yeah. to be great leaders. So that's incredible It's going to be a fun her. team. It yeah. is. Of course it's going to be a fun team. They just won the championship. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about Kansas City Current because we haven't heard that much about them. And obviously Vlatko Andonovsky was the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. He left that position and he is now the head coach back in NWSL. And a lot of people had said maybe he wasn't cut for the national team, but he definitely does succeed in the club level and he is more fit for it. And if I remember correctly, that was someone... <laughs> named Darian Jenkins, and she said he's a very good club coach. Um, what do you see him him doing? Obviously, there haven't been that many moves for Kansas City in this draft. Yeah, not too many moves yet, but I think Vladko is – it's all very intentional. He is not somebody that sits back and lets things happen. I think he is very much a go-getter. He's a planner. Um, so I think that we're maybe going to see moves a little bit later in this draft. I keep checking my documents to see, oh, who's, who's making moves? What are the pickups? Um, but, you know, I think Kansas City is – needing depth in the back line. You know, they lost Kate Delfava, they lost uh, Luera. So I think they're going to have to add a little bit more, some more players in those positions. But it's also about getting this team who was in the finals two years ago back to that level. They clearly have the personnel to get there. I think they just need the coach that's really going to make the players gel, 
buy into the culture that is a championship mindset. And Vladko's been here and done this and won championships with Kansas City in the NWSL and has, you know, helped develop these incredible players that, you know, whose games I've wanted to emulate. And he's a winner. And I think, you know, I did make that point. He's great as a club coach. I think he needs the time with the players to really kind of instill his his playing style, his mindset, the type of culture he wants to be a part of. And I think this is going to be great for him. And, you know, we love Lola Bonta. I think she's going to thrive under him, as she did before. So I think she's one of the leaders on the team that are really going to carry this. And I think he knows that, and that's what they're riding with. Right, 100%. I'm excited to see how he does on the club level because obviously there was a ton of disappointment with the national team career and how he did there and potentially whether he had the personality for a job like that. But a couple other teams that we haven't talked about, Portland Thorns, they have new ownership. So to to see how they do now being separated from the Timbers organization and what happens there with that team, obviously they lost Emily Menges to the expansion draft. We talked about that one there. Sophia Smith being a part of that team, potentially um, a huge part of that team, hopefully coming back to that one. Who am I missing? We haven't talked about Orlando Pride. You're Orlando Pride girlies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that they're making good moves as well. You know, they've obviously made a lot of trades and acquired some players in this offseason, and they needed a midfielder, and I think that they're getting that, and you know, they just need to kind of build that style of play. We saw them start to get, they yeah. you know, still have Messiah Bright, who is a player that didn't go as high as we all predicted in the draft last year that I think is going to thrive again under Coach Seb Hines this year, but They're all making good moves. I'm excited to watch the rest of the draft with you. Exactly. Let's continue to watch the draft. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on Attacking Third. We're going to see you next time, and we are going to talk on social media about all of this, so catch us.